0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am John Ledyard along with my boss at PewterReport.com, the wonderful and esteemed Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you
1: today? I'm very tired, Scott Reynolds, after a Monday night football game and Tuesday night election results. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and getting up at six in the morning to like, get kids to school and stuff. Um, oh. You know, I, I'm, I'm ready for bed, John, but after Uh-oh. this podcast after this right. podcast because we get no, we get buck saints to break down this is going to really yeah. be i think for all the marbles in the in the nfc south uh and we had our first uh zoom call with antonio brown today and uh, right. really kind of my first uh experience interacting with brown uh, you covered the steelers for many years and yeah. uh and living up there in pennsylvania um you you know, you you know Antonio Brown, and, and so I I think let's let's start there, John. Um, my first impression of Antonio Brown was uh, humble, uh, soft-spoken, mm-hmm. contrite uh, to a degree, um, and kind of said all the right things. But when when we were talking about this, kind of like in our group chat, uh, as the Zoom call was going on, you were saying, yeah, contrived, scripted same Antonio Brown, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, and I won't speak to the individual, you know, in terms of his character. Cause I don't know. I mean, one zoom call is not enough to determine whether right. he's a changed person from a character perspective. Um, but on my experience, typically changed character comes out of a verbal admission of guilt and, uh, a communication and articulation of what exactly was wrong and how you went about fixing it and how it changed. Um, And I don't know that we've we've never seen that from it. I know we've never seen that from Antonio Brown. We didn't yeah. see it today. He didn't mention anger a little bit. And I wrestled with anger a little bit. And that was the closest I've heard him get to use, do any type of specifics. We heard him use vague phrases like being within himself and things like that, that. You know, just are kind of what he says to answer the question. They don't really yeah. mean anything. Well, he's and so talking
1: with with Tony Robbins, right? Tom Brady's got him matched up with Tony Robbins, the self help guru. Yeah,
0: Tony Robbins yeah. has a, a long laundry list of his own <laughs> issues that we won't have time to get into on this show. That brings that whole conversation into another life. But suffice to say, even with Antonio Brown, you know, I think it's just going to be about what he does off the field, you know, from here. And that's what it's going to be about, Um, you know, and what he does on the field as well, too, and in the practice field. And that was, you know, the issues with him, they're not just off the field. They're not just on the field. They're both. And so that's where it becomes confounding um with how to deal with and address him if those things come up again they haven't yet I don't like to create drama where there isn't any if you've followed me for any length of time you know I don't like to anticipate drama I'm always willing to kind of step back and say okay like let's not make a big deal out of things until they're a big deal and so right now there's nothing in Antonio Brown's situation in Tampa Bay that's a big deal there's plenty of things in his past that are a big deal we've addressed and talked about those at length both in our written work at PeterReport.com right. and on this show. And he's, so we don't need to, to belabor those necessarily. But I will he's got say a this.
1: Blank slate here, right? Yeah, he's got do a that.
0: blank slate with, with the team. Exactly right. For us, we're still viewing into you know, as unbiased media, we're still viewing Antonio Brown and covering sure. him, you know, from the fullest perspective that we can. It includes all knowledge we have of Antonio Brown. And there's nothing right. wrong with with doing that. In fact, I think right. it's the right way to do it. But you're right that Antonio Brown has a clean slate with this team, and he has an opportunity to get on the field this week in New Orleans and play a substantial role, I think, because Chris Godwin's status, as Bruce Arians told us, is still up in the air, and yeah. they're they're not going to go into this game and play Jaden Mickens 43 snaps. I just don't think that's going to happen, Scott. I think Bruce Arians wants his best guys on the field, and he's coming into the Saints game with incredible intensity, and I think I'd be surprised, especially if Godwin doesn't play, if Antonio Brown isn't a huge part of that.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And you, you go back and look at that that lone game that he played in Week 2 up there in New England back in 2019 against the Dolphins. Eight targets. I think he had four catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, so he he made a pretty quick acclamation to uh, Josh McDaniel's offense up there in New England. And you have to think with him bunking with Tom Brady that that, that, that package, whatever uh, amount of, of plays – He's gonna see whatever role he's gonna have on Sunday night, uh, Antonio Brown's gonna be ready for it. And Tom Brady's not gonna be shy about giving him the ball. That's the the beauty of Tom Brady throwing the ball. If you're open, you're going to get the ball, whether you're Jaden Mickens or Mike Evans or anybody in between.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think that's exactly right. I mean, with Brady, I think you could bungle. the he's not gonna look at Antonio Brown's way, way more than anybody else unless Antonio Brown's more open or the scheme right. that the that the that dictates he's gonna be the guy getting the more targets, you know. the, He's proven that over and over and over again. You can accuse Tom Brady of whatever, but you can't ever accuse him of locking into one receiver. It just does not happen in his game. It's not what he does. And so, yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing is that Antonio Brown can get a ton of opportunities in this game if that's Mm -hmm. the way the Saints decide to cover things. And we've seen the Saints. We know unless they change something, which would be surprising, Marshawn Lattimore traveled with Allen Robinson last week. He traveled Mm -hmm. with Mike Evans all the time in the past. That's probably going to happen as well. I bet they'll leave him in single coverage. Since that Week One game, Marshawn Lattimore has really struggled this season. Yes. Mike Evans is 100 percent healthy yeah. again. Yeah, I think it bodes well for a big Mike Evans game, and I think he's going to really get plenty of targets
1: too. too. I, I do too. You, you look at Marshawn Lattimore, John. He's he's allowed 26 catches for 370 yards and four touchdowns. That's the most yards surrendered by any Saints defender, and he's their top cover guy. Yeah, and what right. that what that tells me is is yeah, he's matched up on the top receiver for the opposing team, but He's also getting targeted and picked on, and yeah. you know he he has he only has one interception this year. He doesn't have a single pass breakup. So, giving up four touchdowns, only one interception, and you know he's been been flagged for for pass interference several times this year. Mm-hmm. You look back at, at Week One, right? I mean, uh, times, yeah. Th- yeah, that he got flagged twice in, in Week One against the Buccaneers. And granted, Mike Evans was hobbling with that hamstring injury, but he did surrender a touchdown in that game. Uh, inside the, uh, the the two yard line, um, so yeah. yeah, I definitely think that that you know Mike Evans and La- Marshawn Lattimore have had a, a, a very feisty history, and I think that that's a matchup that can be exploited this week because Lattimore just has not been good at any point in time this season. Right.
0: Exactly, and Chris Godwin was great week one in this matchup, and some, and yeah. Shan Keltner asked, how's Godwin's hand, and we mentioned it just a, a little bit ago, but I think Friday, Bruce Aaron said, they'll know whether he can catch and whether he might be able to give it a go, uh, just not not enough information to know at this time, so we'll just play the waiting game with Chris Godwin, uh, but the Bucs certainly have enough weapons to win without him, but with him, I mean, he was dynamic last time these two teams met. People kind of forget because he's been in and out of the lineup maybe, but he made a lot of the big plays in this game. The corner route on the first drive of the game was the big play uh, in getting them down to score on that first drive. And then later in the game, he's able to get that third and short conversion off play action. He's able to get vertical and make a catch. He's huge to the Bucs offense, and I think if he plays, they're going to be really tough to beat and slow down on offense because they can attack you at all three levels really effectively. So it is a big deal, and we'll have to monitor it.
1: You have to wonder, uh, and Greg DeCruz brings up a point, Godwin has to play even as a decoy. He'll open things up, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, when you have five eligibles on on any given play, uh, the quarterback just is not going to have time to go through his progressions and find guy number five, right? Yeah. I I mean, it's just not designed. You don't have – this is not a rodeo where you have eight seconds. You have three seconds to get rid of the ball, maybe four if you're in max protect, and that's it. A quarterback, even a guy like Tom Brady – you know, maybe gets to the third, you know, uh, sure. read in his offense, which is usually the checkdown. Usually, it's it's either you know deep to underneath or underneath deep, you know, and then it's the checkdown, right? Maybe you get to number four if you're in the, if you're in the red zone in a very short condensed area where you you know you've got everything kind of happening at one level, right? You kind of just yeah. scan the field left to right or wherever. So, if if Chris Godwin can't catch the ball. Then, then he probably doesn't dress. But even if even if he can but is not 100%, he does have some value on the field as a decoy, even if he never gets targeted. Because you have to respect him if you're the Saints, and if you're the Saints, you don't know if he can catch the ball or not. If he's dressed and active, you have to assume that he can. So right, right. I, I just wonder if, if Greg makes a pretty decent point that, that even if even if he can 't catch the ball, if you just dress him and put him out there as a decoy and just target Evans you know target Scotty Miller target Tyler Johnson, gosh t- target Jaden Mickens if you have to uh, Antonio Brown uh, Rob Gronkowski, yeah. there's plenty of weapons to throw to, but you just wonder if if Godwin could have some value as a decoy.
0: Right. And this Saints defense, they have had their ups and downs this season. Scott's been more down than up, especially when you consider the talent that they have. They've players at every single level of their defense. They have depth. It just hasn't come together for them. The execution yeah. has not been there for them consistently. Part of it's a lot of more struggling. Cam Jordan hasn't produced sacks the way that they're used to. Uh, from him. Marcus Williams hasn't produced plays on the ball the way they're used to from him. So all of those guys just haven't really had the seasons that they're used to have and all still good players all still right. have made plays but consistently nobody's like afraid to go after or deal with any of those guys. Yeah. have it really started week one as it comes to Cam Jordan and ain't even Marcus Williams and it's continued throughout the season for guys like Lattimore Janoris Jenkins as well who we saw have a pretty decent game against the Bucks in week one and it's just been kind of downhill for him since then the Saints other corner but they're still hovering like in the in the high in the 10 to 16 range in most defensive statistics yeah. but the one that really stood out to me scott is that passing touchdowns they've given up a ton this season 19 yes, and as 31st in the nfl only less than atlanta um so that's a little bit of a concern that also can be like a really skewed statistic that requires a lot more context mm-hmm. but I, I combine it with this the saints are unbelievably, even though their record is good and mm-hmm. their defensive value uh, above a, or average uh, or above adjustment from football outsiders is eighth in the yeah. NFL. So it's a good ranking from that analytic, but they are 32nd in the NFL in red zone defense. They are dead last yeah. and they are giving up touchdowns at like an 84% clip when the opponent right. gets in the red zone. Con- contrast that with the Bucks third ranked red zone offense and a goal yeah. to go offense that has scored on every single goal to go situation this right. season and you over see 20. where the advantage can be right over the, i think it's like 22 20 you yeah. see where the advantage can be for the bucks if they don't have the three turnovers and have the what nine penalties or whatever it was the last time right. that they for played Hundred yards in week one
1: yeah exactly, exactly. right that's that's and the
0: formula for the bucks stay on pace and you can convert and keep scoring
1: in the red zone yeah. And, and, and I think too that, um, and you said sometimes passing uh, touchdowns allowed can be a skewed statistic because if you're a team that has the lead and, and the Saints can put up some points, right? If, if you're always in the lead and it's the fourth quarter, you have to kind of abandon the run. And if you're going to score, it will probably be you know, through the air. And we saw that with Daniel Jones throwing the, the touchdown with 15 seconds left uh, in last, I almost said last week's. I mean, really, what, Monday, Monday night's game? Uh, just uh, less than 48 hours ago. So uh, to me, um, I, I think that, that those statistics do bear the fact that this secondary is, is not good at defending the pass. You've got a, a quarterback who's playing exceptional right now when it comes to throwing touchdown passes, and that, of course, is Tom Brady. Uh, you know, John, the, the one thing that I've I've noticed about the Saints, and maybe Michael Thomas' return this week, and we'll see if he actually returns, because right. this, is, this is a guy that sprained his ankle, was going to come back, punched a teammate, got suspended, hurt his hamstring in practice, and you know, and and it's it's been it's been a, a a weird wild ride for Michael Thomas, who was the leading receiver in terms of catches last year in the NFL. He's only played in one game, John. That was week 1 where he had three catches for 17 yards, was blanketed by Carlton Davis. And I asked Carlton about that matchup today and and if if Thomas plays, you know, he feels that that he's He's ready to take him on. And, and I think that, that Carlton Davis, and I've said this before, Michael Thomas is a possession receiver. And Carlton Carlton Davis has enough speed yeah. to hang with a possession receiver. And, and he's physical enough where he can shut Michael Thomas down. Week one was not a mirage. I asked Carlton right. Davis today, too, are you a pro bowler? He says, yes, of course I'm a pro bowler. <laughs> and I, lo- I love the confidence. And he's playing yeah. at, that, at that caliber of level, 13 pass breakups, four interceptions, which is tied for the lead. That's a matchup that the Buccaneers definitely can win. But the Saints need Michael Thomas. John, they have fallen in terms of their point scoring from 35 points in a a win against the Lions to 30 points in the next game in in overtime against the Chargers to 27 points against the Panthers to just 26 points last week in an Mm -hmm. overtime win against the Bears. So this this is an offense that is sliding down in terms of point scoring and we've seen when Tampa Bay's offense uh, is clicking and on fire, they can put up points of plenty. They did that against the Chargers. They did that against the Packers. They did that against the the Raiders. Um, and you know, with Antonio Brown coming in, that's another weapon that can potentially light up the scoreboard. And mm-hmm. and right now, if you're the Saints, you need Michael Thomas to not just play; you need him to play at that Pro Bowl caliber level because they're just not scoring enough points.
0: Yeah. I mean, still seventh in the league in points per game, but it has been kind of an adventure for the Saints offensively a little bit. Right. It's like, and they have to, they have absolutely no big playability at all. Like they just don't have, I mean, they are one of the least deadly offensive teams in terms of creating big plays in the NFL. You know, even in the run game, they basically do it more in the run game than they do in the pass game. They just don't have it in the pass game. It's almost ridiculous. Breeze has played every game, obviously, for the Saints this season. He's 5 of 11 on throws of 20 yards or more. So not yeah. only does he do it at a league low rate, they're only quarterbacks in the league to be considered starter comparable. Now, remember, Cam Newton missed the game. Jimmy Garoppolo missed the game. But those are the only guys, or maybe two games, they're parts of different games. Right. I don't know. Those are the only guys in the league who've attempted less 20-yard passes or more than Drew Brees. And they haven't played all their team snaps.
1: Those are the yeah. only guys that qualify. Are you saying that Drew Brees' arm is shot, John? Is that what you're saying?
0: I don't even. I don't know if it's even his arm. I'm sure that's certainly part of it, but it's just he doesn't have the confidence, the aggression to pull the yeah. trigger down the field, and, and so really, much so that the offense has just molded itself yeah. around his limitations. At
1: this point. And and the thing too is is when you look at 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 this offense, Emmanuel Sanders is a shell of his former self. I mean, he's 32, 33 mm-hmm. years old. He's not the speed guy he once was. Michael right. Thomas, again, you know, is kind of a possession receiver. They don't have Ted Ginn that that used to be when he was younger. The, the guy that could be the downfield threat and, and take the top off the defense so right they don't really have the speed merchant on there like like a Scotty Miller that that can really go vertical and, mm-hmm. and exploit a defense for some big plays downfield.
0: Right, and we appreciate Zach Jarvis' your donation, man. That's awesome, and and the question we appreciate that as well. If you want to subscribe, go ahead and subscribe. Peter Report TV, Peter Report Podcast. We go live four days a week. We bring Saints or we bring Bucks coverage. Lots of Bucks coverage of this upcoming Saints game. Uh, Saints coverage
1: twice a year. We do Saints coverage twice a year. Exactly right, Right.
0: and we'll do it heavily after the game on Sunday night. We'll be on live Sunday night after the game. I know it'll be a late one, but pull through with us because we're gonna have some awesome uh, content coming for you after the game. So we'll be on uh live at that point we'll also be on live tomorrow as well we'll have fun content as well continuing to break things down but in this game yes Michael Thomas playing that's the big question mark we think that he is at this point in time we'll monitor as the week goes on obviously that's where kind of everybody's at including the Saints I'm sure but you're right Mark that or Scott that he is not really the big play guy in this team in this offense or He will add to that ability once he gets out on the field. But so far this year, when they do go with the big plays, it's been Jared Cook most of the time. And Jared Cook against the Saints caught or against the Bucs caught the 46 yarder, and that was a big play um in, in that game and that was what the only plus pass play they had in the entire game pass attempt right. in the entire game of 20 yards or more he was wide open on that play you think back to the game against the chargers when they came back mm-hmm. he's wide open down the field on that play you think back to the game against the bucks i think it was a 20-yard pass against the or sorry against the bears um mm-hmm. last week He's wide open again, right before half. They yeah. just blew the cover. Nobody's John on him. Wide a open in the end job zone.
1: Of scripting ways yeah. to get him open. If
0: you right. get a guy wide open and you blow a coverage, then anybody well, can throw. Drew Brees, that. You, will know, you and get I can hit. Yeah. Right. right. But right. if you contest anything down the field, if you close the window, Drew Brees won't force it. He won't push it. Nothing. That's not. It's not going to happen. So to me, in this game, what the most important thing that the Bucs have to do is they have to stop playing their cornerbacks on Mars. You I cannot agree. do it. You can't do it because Drew Brees will just sit and get the ball out quick. Your pass rush will be pointless. Blitzing Drew Brees is always pointless. They have to stay away from that as well. There's no point. Drew Brees is the highest completion percentage in the entire NFL when you pressure him. It just doesn't matter. You have to win with four. You have to rush with four to beat Brees. You have to make him continue to throw two-yard passes, tackle the ball, and you get off the field on third downs. Saints are great on third downs because they chip away at you and they get into third and really short, and that's where sure. their offense loves to live in short passing yep. situations. So they and mount drives and sustain, but they're not an explosive big play team, and you can't let them just chip it away at you underneath. Right. You have to challenge them. Make them throw the football down the field. Roll your yep. corners up. Make guys beat you vertically if they want to have success. And make
1: Drew Brees hold on to the ball, right? That's the thing. You, you have to get physical with these receivers in their face, stick yep. to them like glue. Drew Brees does have that quick release, John. You're right, but the thing is, you got to make him—you got to make him, him want to get rid of the ball, but then he can't because of the exactly coverage. Right. And, and right. if you want to get to him, that's how you have to do it. We appreciate Pete Roy with the with the super chat donation very much. Thank you. And long lost leisure is—is is this the game where Peyton unleashes the full Taysom Hill package? John? Let's hope <laughs> exotic plays are the kryptonite to a sound aggressive defense. And uh, you know that, that it's an interesting point. Taysom Hill has become a, a more uh, more of an option. He's more of a staple in this offense and uh, and does so mostly running the ball. But we also saw him catch a touchdown pass from Drew Brees against the He's Bears. honestly
0: a good receiver. He's not a quarterback yeah. at all, but he's a good yeah. receiver. He's a good ball carrier. Yeah,
1: but but he can run, throw, and catch. And so he's a different guy that you you really have to kind of do with your best to kind of guess and scheme for a little bit. And, and Sean Payton has this man crush on Taysom Hill. And, you know, he's made some plays. I mean, that – Again, the touchdown catch was big in last week's uh, win over the Bears in overtime. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but um, you know, anytime you do that, uh, you're, you're either taking Drew Brees off the field or you're putting Drew Brees out there as a wide receiver, and you're mm-hmm. essentially playing with 10 on offense uh, in that type of situation when, when, you, when you kind of do the, the gimmicks. And, and, yep. quite, and quite frankly, I think the Buccaneers have the speed – whether it's it's the the safety near the box in Jordan Whitehead who made a, a missile type play, whether it's Antonio, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Antoine Winfield coming in, uh, screaming like a like a cruise missile from uh, the free safety spot, or whether it's the linebackers, Devin White and and Lavonte David, they have enough speed in the box where they can shut down Taysom Hill and some of those yeah. runs.
0: And one of the keys for the box will be the screen game. You know they have to be better against the screen game. Saints had a. Hit a a great screen. Uh, They used jet motion and hit kind of a throwback screen uh, in the first matchup to Deontay Harris, real quick guy, who they like to get the ball in space. Again, they have to figure out ways to manufacture splash plays. That's how they have to operate. They are not going to get them down the field. Their 20-plus and 40-plus yard plays will come from plays that are blocked up and schemed up. The throws occur near the line of scrimmage. That's how the Bucks will, if they lose. I bet that's how they'll lose. If they, if that's what that's the result that befalls them, because that was where the Saints have killed teams right. this year. I know the Green Bay game. Remember, Alvin Kamara caught that screen pass. That was you know going into it as a Drew Brees touchdown yep. pass and it was like that's a right. negative one yard pass you know but that's yeah. and he broke a ton of tackles and Kamara's great at that and mm-hmm. the Bucs defended Kamara pretty well in those situations last year but he did score on the screen remember down yep. in the red zone that's right. and then Harris hit the they, they hit the screen to Harris they got him yep. in field goal range for a big three points in that mm-hmm. point in the game the Saints have lived off the screen game they've got a lot of different ways and a yep. lot of different players and that if they use there to them, beat let me you know, John?
1: you look, you look at, at what Jason Garrett did, right. With that throwback, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that exactly uh, I, right. I forgot, I forgot who caught it. Was it uh was it golden Tate? I they, don't they even that.
0: remember. Jason Shepard Shepard or golden Tate. Yeah. yeah.
1: Jason Pierre Paul made like a diving tackle that, that could have gone for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, it really kind of suckered the bucks and and, 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 and listen, when you have an aggressive defense that loves to fly to the ball, uh, you know, you know, when, when they see a flash, they go to it. Like, like right. uh like a you know, a, a cat and, and chasing a light on the on the carpet. And and so to me, that's the one thing too, is you do have to play very disciplined football. You do have to to read your keys. And boy, John, we've seen now Antoine Winfield Jr. really plays some disciplined football and not get fooled and not get mm-hmm. suckered. And and gosh, this guy is just he is not playing yeah. like a rookie. Uh and and, right. and, and and you know, when, when when I think of of rookie, um, you know, I, I think of cookie, right? Like, like you've got Mark Cook, right? We call him Cookie. You know, he's not on today. Uh typically he does like cookies. He does like cookies, and, and, and cookie isn't on today. He he usually joins us on on our post game podcast or the day after game, but usually John and I will do uh, the 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 preview podcast. But it's like you've got rookie, cookie, my bookie. Of My course, gonna,
0: yep. of course. That's, that's, else, that's a, a segue Mark product. would be proud of.
1: I think so. So <laughs> l- listen, it's late fall. College football is here. You know, uh, the NBA bubble is coming up. Uh, we're going to believe it or not, we're going to start with, with the NBA, college basketball, hockey. It's it's going to start again. You got UFC Fight Island. It's it's clear that, that 2020 has been a year um, unlike any other. and And that's why you need a sports book with offers unlike any other. So get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds, boosts, lightning deals, and free bets wait all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there really is no better time to feast on some NFL action. Whether you're a first-time customer or you've been playing my bookie for years like I have, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of games uh, in terms of the lines, the unique prop bets, the money lines that I like to play, uh, the point spreads and those contests that they offer every week. So sign up or get reloaded today in your account. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the, the classic table and slot and card games that you would expect to find at your local casino spot. And that's the best part. At my bookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. So make the right play, sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use the promo code Pewter to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. So the terms are simple. If you put in $200, they're going to match your deposit with another $100 in your account. If you're already planning to, to bet this season, this is like getting free money to bet with. It's winning season at MyBookie. Use the promo code Pewter and sign up today for some fun and win some cash while you're at it. Sounds like a plan to me,
0: Scott. And guess what? For the second straight Pewter Report podcast, we've got some breaking news on the podcast. Actually, several elements of breaking news slash news that was just reported before we went live, uh, yeah. Will Goldstein, earlier this offseason, he tweets that he contracted COVID-19 and he was able to get through with relatively minimal symptoms. Right. But in recent days, he tweeted he was exposed to someone outside of the team who was tested positive, and he's currently self-isolating for the next few days for precautionary reasons only. He's testing daily, and he says he's expected to rejoin his teammates in time for Sunday's night's game against the Bucs. So we'll right. monitor the situation, but it's not a positive test. The Saints, or the Bucks, I believe, have placed him in the protocol. And so it's just a precautionary measure right now. He'll obviously continue to be tested and we'll hope those come back negative for more than just the the game, but for his health as well. Also, uh, Tom Pelicero, NFL Network reporting Alvin Kamara has a foot injury that isn't considered major. Uh, The Saints did get Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Marquez Callaway all back at practice. So all three wide receivers for the Saints back uh, at practice. Sean Payton said Kamara was limited today. They'll be careful with him. Call him day to day. He plans to play still. So we'll monitor that one. Quan Alexander, we appreciate Zach Jarvis again throwing us a super chat donation. Big shout out Zach Jarvis. He wants to know about Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander will not be able to clear COVID-19 protocols in time to play, so he will not play on right. Sunday night against his former team, the Buccaneers. And then the big news, Greg Alman uh, of The Athletic reporting that Ali Marpet has an injury he's dealing with, and he could miss Sunday's game against the Saints, which would be obviously the first test, really, of the Bucs' offensive line. I think Bucs starters have played – like yeah. 98% of their snaps at the highest percentage for five starters in any team in the NFL, yeah. no team, in the NFL has played as much together as their five starters. So it'd be a huge test for them. If Ali Marpet is not able to go because right. none of their starters have missed any games this season at all. That's right. Um, Hard to tell who would replace Marpet at this point. Yeah. It could be Aq Shipley playing guard. He has played guard in the past. Right. He's a very right. small guard, so it would be a tough matchup for him against some of the Saints' long levered guys like uh, Davenport, who could play inside, and Anyata, right. who's improved a lot as a pass rusher. Yeah.
1: The other had, option would be Joe Hag. Yeah, yeah, he's a
0: load. He's a great player. He had a great game against the Bucks last time. Um, yeah. the other option is Joe Hag. He could be that he's played all the offensive line spots and practices at center sometimes. So he can play, um, he can play there too, and he might be the other option. Yeah. He's been kind of their extra tight end. So that, you know, from blocking situations. So that may change things from that perspective. But yeah, that's that's kind of the outlook right now. We'll have to just keep monitoring Ali Marpet. Practice injury report isn't out yet and Greg has not specified the injury. So we're not totally sure what it is that's bothering right. Marpet uh, at this point. He played every snap uh the whole way, you know, that's no surprise. Tough dude, but uh something apparently is ailing him and could keep him out of that game. So, um, lots to consider there. Lots to go through uh, as we as we think about and anticipate this matchup. One of the keys, I think, is going to be protecting Brady. This, this team just gets out of sort when protection breaks down. It has not broken down very often this season. Right, early in the in the, in the first half, in the middle of the game, I guess maybe is the best way to say it. Against the Saints, yeah. there were some issues. Really, like two or two or three drives, maybe some moments in the Bears game. Really, there were some issues. Most of the season, this has been. I mean, Brandon Thorne tweeted out the other day, Tristan Wirfs, Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, best left guard, best center, best right tackle in the NFL yeah. this season so far for him at the midseason point. And I think that's yeah. that's just completely fair. I mean, that's you know, that is that's pretty indicative of where they're at. I mean, that that's right. how well this group has played, and they've played against some great competition too, and they've been locked down. So that's important and not having your best offensive lineman obviously affects those things because the Saints have more bodies than they had. Remember Davenport didn't play week one. More bodies exactly. than they had week one, and Cam Jordan's starting to heat up as well.
1: Yeah, and and I think that that's the thing. It's like Trey Hendrickson, who actually got Donovan Smith for a sack in week one, um, yeah, has played really well in, in Davenport's absence. Davenport is is now back, and I think you're going to see that rotation there. Hendrickson has six sacks. He's kind of a local kid out of, out of Florida Atlantic. Really impressed me at the East-West Shrine game a couple years ago when when he was coming out in the draft, and and Marcus Davenport has a sack and a half. He's only played in three games coming off of an elbow injury that he suffered in a training camp. So with mm-hmm. with having that one two punch, and Carl Granderson actually had a sack fumble against Brady uh, on Donovan Smith as well. So Donovan Smith really played his worst game of the year in Week One, and yeah. so I think he just like he did a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he has to atone for that. And to his yeah. credit, he's played really good football. No penalties yeah. for Donovan Smith over the last three games, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, he did give up a sack on on a bit of a switch. It was almost yeah. a covered sack, I think, last week um, when when Brady, you know, got got uh, taken yeah. down. It was,
0: for, a, it was a late um, one, but he got beat.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, is when you look at at Brady, you know, when you when you look at Brady, the the difference this year is he's been sacked ten times through eight games right so if you if you extrapolate yeah. and, the numbers and, and you double that right it, you're looking probably, at
0: it. probably half of those have been coverage sacks where he's yeah. wisely just eating the ball sometimes you have to take a sack that's right you hope that you have another drive enough drives that can offset him but, but right. yeah very few if, of those are quick wins
1: if you look at the numbers and you double them right we're at the halfway point of the season so if, if brady's going to get sacked 20 times this year he got sacked 27 times all of last year in new England. Right. And that's a low number for the NFL. 27. That that that's that's a reasonable number right. in terms of, of allowing sacks. John, the Buccaneers, and, and again, Jameis Winston was a big part of this, gave up 47 sacks last year. So Tom Brady is on pace to get sacked less than half of the time that Jameis Winston was sacked last year. It, it's it's remarkable yeah. how much better the pass protection has been, and it's remarkable how quickly. Tom Brady finds the open receiver and gets rid of the ball. Right,
0: it is, and and it's been one of the things, you know. Tom Brady and Drew Brees, two of the quickest quarterbacks in the league this season. There's very little difference between one to fifteen quarterbacks in terms of the rate of time at which it takes to get the ball out of their hands. Um, You know, Brees obviously is near the top of that list. But Brady is a little bit further down, only because he's been willing to go deep so much more often. You know, I mentioned Breeze right. being basically around last in the NFL when you consider the context of the fact that he's played more games than the two guys yeah, Bruce below him.
1: and Byron Leftwich want Tom to take those deep shots, and Tom is right, right. willing. He has a good pocket. He's willing to hang in there and find Scotty Miller or Mike Evans or or Rob Gronkowski or Chris right. uh, Godwin, you know, down the field.
0: Right. I think last week was a huge indication. We kind of glossed over this, but I, I just think last game was a huge indication of Brady kind of getting way more used to looking high to low in his past progressions. He wanted deep shots down the field. He threw yeah. them even when they were tightly contested couple barely just knocked away by the Giants. That's how it goes with the deep ball. Nobody throws the deep ball at 75%. Brady's one of the best in the NFL this season, and he's somewhere around 43%. He has 17 uh, pass completions of 20 yards or more out of 43 attempts. That doesn't seem great if you're just looking at the numbers, but that's about the best in the league. That's about on par with the best in the league. I think he's second in the league in deep ball completions. He, well, the guy ahead of him has 18. I forget who it is. But Brady is is just very, very willing and aggressive as is. a passer. So it fits the system really, really well. And yeah, I know that's what people worried about.
1: Four interceptions by Tom Brady this year, two of which happened in week one. So yeah. since week one, over the last seven games, he's only thrown two interceptions. And that's a big reason why your Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 6-2 and two heading right. into this game, Which, which really I believe that – that whoever wins this game will win the NFC South. I know there's still seven more games to go after this. A lot can happen, but I believe that if the Buccaneers win this game, uh, they're, they're going to have a nice cushion. And, and I don't know that the saints who still have, you know, a pretty rough schedule ahead, uh, if they're going to be able to, to, to come back and, and, uh, and, and win this because it'll be split. Now, if the saints win, um, they have a, a decided tiebreaker advantage over the Buccaneers in the division because they will have swept them, and this is an NFC South game. So uh, that's going to make – if they if the Buccaneers somehow were to lose this game, um, mm-hmm. they still have two games with the Falcons coming up. And as, as much as you would love to look at the Falcons on paper and say, well, that's, that's a sweep right there, yeah. uh, the Falcons play the Buccaneers tough. And there's another game at Carolina. So Tampa Bay still has – three more NFC South games left on this schedule after Sunday night's game against the Saints. Right.
0: Yeah. And the Rams, the big one for the division two. And you've got Minnesota who just beat Green Bay. a Tough, tough team. I don't care. Yeah. I know the yeah. record's bad, but yeah, within the conference and then Detroit has played some, they play the Saints tough. And so, yeah. you know, you, it's hard to take anybody for granted necessarily that's left on their schedule. Obviously, you know, it would be a surprise if the Bucs weren't, to have a good record closing out the season uh, because their second half, the latter part of the last four games of the season are against opponents that are weaker on paper. And typically when you get to that point in the season, those teams start getting smart and putting yeah. guys on injured reserve. Oh, you're banged up. Oh, you stuck yeah. your toe. Like, you know, Julio Jones, you're going on injured yeah. reserve. And so we'll see what ends up happening by that point in the season. Um, But yes, this went against the saints, huge insurance policy for them. I think as they kind of work their way towards what they hope and really need to be analytics has shown that, Having that one or two seed in the NFC in, in a conference is really, really important. Uh, but there's another place, Scott, that you can go for terrific insurance policies, and it is with our friends over at Briar Greaves Insurance, Absolutely. which you know because you are one of the latest clients of Briar Greaves Insurance, Scott. You gave them a I call. Have.
1: Yes, I did. And it's all it took. And, and Sam and Briar helped me out with my insurance needs, and I'm switching my homeowner's insurance policy over to Briar Greaves.
0: Right, and you can do it too. There's still some hurricanes forming in the Gulf. In the Gulf, Don't wait to renew your insurance policies. Call Briar Greaves Insurance, which is family-owned and has served the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years. For your home, auto, boat, life, commercial, and flood insurance needs, a lot of homeowner companies are canceling or not renewing policies, leaving Florida or increasing premiums significantly. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch for information on the best rates. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big fans of the Buccaneers and proud Indeed. sponsors of the Pewter Report Podcast on pewterreport.com. Visit BriarGreavesInsurance.com or call 813 876 4166 That's 813-876-4166 today. Yes. Scott, one yeah, of the God. things that we have kind of discussed in this matchup is who commits less mistakes. The mm-hmm. Saints just do not turn the ball over. It's one yeah. of the biggest strengths around them as a team, has been for years. You can say what you want about Drew Brees and throwing the ball down the field, not being aggressive and losing the arm strength, and I think all those things are true. And I don't think I don't think if he throws a 40-yard pass that that we – I know you're going to see the tweets, oh, who said Brees doesn't have arm strength? Right. It's so dumb. <laughs> the larger sample size for two years now has said that Drew Brees doesn't throw the ball down the field very often. Yeah. He only does it when guys are wide open on a blown coverage or something. So that part's unquestionably true. But what's also true is that he's still really good in the pocket. He hardly takes mm-hmm. any sacks. They're one of the best teams in the league. They have nine sacks allowed this season, tied yep. for second-best in the NFL. You said Bucks are 10, so both teams yep. have been great at that. He's great at fencing the re- pr- pressure, getting the ball out of his hands, throwing it away when he needs to. He's just terrific at it. He's great pocket yeah, he presence. He doesn't make any mistakes with the football. He's not going to give you the ball like Daniel Jones did last week. It's just not mm-hmm. going to happen with Drew Brees. And so you have to plan for that. When you are a team going into this game, the biggest difference in the last game was the fact that the Bucks committed three turnovers and yep, the Saints committed hard. zero turnovers. Yep. Both teams were penalized and both right. teams have had their struggles with penalties both have cleaned it up a little bit in recent weeks after rough starts to the season. Okay. Bucks really trending in the right direction in penalties, although they still have more on the season than the Saints do. It's pretty comparable. Right. That's going to be the key, right, in this game. Yeah. The Bucks, yeah. I think, we agree, are better than the Saints. Yeah. But if they beat themselves, they will not be able to beat the Saints because I just don't think the Saints are going to beat themselves. They're just not going to happen.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing too, John, is is and you kind of alluded to this on the last podcast the Saints are going to come in full of confidence, right? I mean, they've Mm -hmm. owned the NFC South, and they know how to win the division they've done it the last three years, the last two of which they've been 13-3. and They've they've not been that dominant this year, but they've found ways to win close games. And they've had two overtime wins this year, and and they've done so without Michael Thomas, their Pro Bowl receiver. So uh, just like the Buccaneers found a way to win on Monday night, the Saints have been doing this for a long time. So if you want to – to, to knock out the defending champion uh you can't let it get to the scorecards you got to knock him out right like yeah. you you got to take you got you got to have a, a perfect game you got to play your a game and then you have to force the Saints into some mistakes and and sometimes it's not even on offense the Saints forced the Buccaneers into a special teams mistake and you know that that was uh that was really kind of, what we got, of <laughs> uh, yeah well they they had a blocked field goal that yeah. was Ryan Seckup's first and then also, Mike Edwards had the fumble when he was trying to step in front of Jaden Mickens and field kind of a pooch kick. And, mm-hmm. and that really set the Saints up in good field position. So uh, I, I think that, that if the Buccaneers want to beat the best, they got to be the best. And that means they got to be their best self and not beat themselves. Then they got to focus all their attention on beating New Orleans because I think the Saints are going to come in with, with a little bit of, of, a, of a stronger uh, head game than the Buccaneers. This is a home game for the Buccaneers, and it'll be an opportunity for them to, you know, to, to really, I, I think, uh, take a stranglehold of the NFC South, and they, they've got to be mentally prepared for that. And, and I, I'm almost I'm glad, John, that they didn't play their best football Monday night because I think they're going to be even sharper uh, come uh, Sunday night against uh, against the Saints. We just got the injury report, and it, it, this is not good for Ali Marpet. This is a concussion. Um that I'm guessing happened in practice might've happened. Same thing
0: as the Chris Godwin situation. I bet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is not good. So uh, I I think you can, you can rule out Ali Marpet for this game. Uh, I don't see him passing concussion protocol. Um, So that that's a big blow and it will be interesting to see if Joe Hague or if, if AQ Shipley uh, goes in there at the guard position, um, and, and then you, you kind of have to wonder what the trickle-down effect is, John. You know, Donovan Smith has not really lived up to his second-round billing and, and become that top-ten tackle that that he has the physical ability and the traits to be, mm-hmm. but he just hasn't been that consistent guy. So much so, John, that Ali Marpet started off his career as a right guard in Tampa. Then they experimented him with him at center one year, and and he, he didn't really um, – you know, play at at an elite level at center. So when they put him back at guard, they put him at left guard right next to Donovan Smith to kind of shore up that side of the line. So now you look and you're going to have a backup player, whether it's Hague, it it even could be Josh Wells uh, or AQ Shipley. I'm guessing it's going to be Shipley or or Hague, but you're going to have one of those guys next to Donovan Smith. And I think that really weakens the left side of this offensive line, not just in pass protection, but also in the run game, John.
0: Right. No, I agree with you. It's a big. It's a big loss if indeed he can't go, and we kind of anticipate him not being able to go. So yeah, you're right. It's a big loss. Um, you know, uh, we look just down the injury report before we wrap up here yeah. at some of the other players that missed, But Jamel Dean didn't participate because of an illness. So you monitor that, but assume that hopefully he's feeling better. Mike Edwards a limited participant. Uh, Will Golson obviously, as we mentioned on the on the COVID list. Uh, for now doesn't mean that he's not going to play just didn't wasn't a positive test um, right. just may have been around someone uh, who did test positive so he's yeah. got to watch uh, Chris Godwin limited participant um, Marpet obviously with the did not participate because of the concussion Scotty Miller again limited with a hip groin injury Antoine Winfield um, was full participant with that shoulder that's been bothering him and Jason Pierre Paul's on there every day with that knee um, yeah as a limited participant for this one so We'll see with Jamel Dean. We'll see with Will Golston. Obviously, those kind of up in the air. We'll see with Chris Godwin. Um, you know, we're getting to that point in time where it's time to make predictions for this one, Scott. And it this is, is yeah. so tough for me. You know, I have been—I've come on the show confident about almost every pick this year, and yep. I've been my record's pretty good. Yes, I think I've only got one yep. wrong. Yep. I'm saying I'm seven to one or something like that this yeah, season. You're leading the pack. This one is really hard for me. You know, I was—I felt good about the Packers one. I really did. I felt—I felt good about the Raiders one, but. This is tricky for me because I think the Bucs are the better team, but knowing that yep. they're banged up and that the Saints are getting healthy and getting guys back, um, and the fact that the Bucks' defense, I just think they've been leaky. I think they were leaky against the Raiders, to be I'm honest. honest. Um, I worry about that four-man pass rush. I think that you can you can rush for and drop against Breeze, and you can have success, and, you, and it's okay if you don't pressure them right away. But eventually, I think you can't give them all day in the pocket. You know, It's just too hard to cover. You know, he finds guys, and if they're going to play in coverage and press man as they should against this team and try and match up with these receivers and give no space and no, uh, you know, space underneath, pass rush got to get home. And they can't get beat by trick plays because you play press man, your corners are going to be turned, their back's going to be to the line of scrimmage, and that's when you get the opportunity to hit screens and things like that. So you give up something in every coverage, and that's what they're going to have to watch for. So I just am – I'm skittish. I know Bucs fans are going to get mad at me because I've been kind of – in this team's corner and all these big games this year. But, and I said, I think, or I don't know if it was on this show or what it was, or that I thought the Bucs would win. I just have thought about, I just think this might be one that the Saints think. I picked the Saints before the year to win the division, even though right. I think by the end of the season, the Bucs will be the better team. Um, right now, I think the Bucs just might be a little bit more banged up than the Saints. And that matters in games like this. And I think that the Saints obviously are extremely well coached and yep. their, their attention to detail is terrific. And I think that that matters. And I also am worried about the the run defense. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the same without Vea. And I don't think that's the end of the world, except that I just think the saints are so good and efficient and not, you know, normally you can look at the Steelers game the other day. They got 265 yards rushing. Almost every Ravens carry was twenty yards. It was absurd to watch, yeah. and the Steelers came in with a great run defense. Right. And it didn't right. matter because Lamar Jackson turned it over four times, and they didn't. Right. They failed twice in the red zone, and those just aren't things the Bucks, do, the Saints do. It just aren't. Yeah. They that's not how the Saints. It's not going to happen, you know, for them. Mm-hmm. So I think if they can continue to be efficient on offense, they can have enough success. The Bucks, you know, they're going to have to score a lot of points in this game. I think to win, I think that they'll have some success. Uh, I'm not convinced that with if Godwin misses and, and, he, and he very well might, and with Marpet out, and there's going to be more pressure on Brady than tip, than there typically is. I feel confident of that because I think you're exactly right about the effect he has on Donovan Smith, who's already Definitely. struggled in this matchup. I just think that it's going to take time to integrate A.B. into the offense. No Godwin. I think you know it all kind of culminates to me in just a good performance, but might not be enough. And I think the Saints win,
1: you know, 31 to 24 or something like that. At some point in time we have to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play good football in prime time. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I've covered this team for, you know, 25 years. And I think the last time they, they really played well on, on primetime games in primetime games was like when Warren Sapp and Rondy Barber and Derek Brooks and John Lynch and Simeon Rice were playing. It, it's yeah. been a minute. It's been a while. It's been a decade. That being said, there's something about this team. And, and I got some news for it, for the Buccaneers and you Buccaneer fans out there. They play the Super Bowl in prime time. So if you're going to to make it to the Super Bowl, and some of these playoff games are going to be in prime time too, you gotta get good in prime time. You gotta you have to, to adjust to that. And and I think Monday was it was an adjustment. I think they won in prime time. It wasn't pretty, but they found a way to win. Now I think it's time. That, that they start to really understand what what it's like playing in the national spotlight at night, because it is different, especially for a young football team. And they've done it mm-hmm. twice now. Thursday night wasn't so great against the Bears in Chicago. Uh, Monday night was better against the Giants in New York. Now this one's at home. And I think this one is is, is going to be the game where the Buccaneers finally have a decent showing and get a quality win on Monday night football, or Sunday night football, or Thursday night football, any primetime game, a Saturday wild card playoff game. I think right. in, order, in order for you to be good in primetime, you got to be good in primetime. you you got to get that experience. And I think that okay. the Bucs take a step, and they win a high-scoring game, 37-30, to against the New Orleans Saints to start to get that stranglehold on the NFC South. I, I think that they're the better team. And even with the injury to Marpet, and even with Godwin possibly not being out, or I should say uh, not being in, or if he is in the lineup, not at 100%, I think they, they, they do enough to win. And Antonio Brown scores a touchdown in his first game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Right. Yeah,
0: there you, there you go. Bold prediction by Scott Reynolds. Uh, Russ Rampanger says, wants to talk about the Saints injury report. We did yeah. kind of mention their injuries in their report uh, near the middle of the show maybe I uh, yeah. mentioned Michael Thomas, Marcus Callaway, Emmanuel Sanders coming back to practice today. Uh, Thomas and Callaway were limited. Breeze was yeah. limited. I mean, I don't think, you know, Kamara we mentioned yeah. limited. I don't think any of those things are going to keep it's them out Wednesday, of the
1: It's Wednesday in the NFL. There's a lot of guys that are limited right. on Wednesday. Right, Wednesday right, right. The
0: one to watch is Sheldon Rankins. He didn't yeah. participate with the knee injury, and he got hurt yeah. in the last game and I think was out the rest of that game. So that might yeah. be And, and one just to, to let watch. you
1: know, uh, you know, Godwin was limited today. Mike Edwards right. was limited today. Scotty Miller, Jason Pierre-Paul were, Pierre were limited. So uh, lim- Mike limited? Evans on
0: here? I don't think Mike Evans is on no. here.
1: Yeah, he's he's fully That's a healthy. Good That's a very That's good, good. sign. Yep. And, and, I, and I I think, and I'm writing about this on my SR Fab Five. is one of my four matchups to watch. I've talked a little bit about, about Evans and Lattimore. And, John, I think that the winner of that matchup is going to determine who wins the game. If Marshawn Lattimore can can play like the Lattimore of, of yesteryear, right. uh, then, then I think that that the Saints might have the advantage. But I think Mike Evans, he he finally got the, the kryptonite shook uh, off him last Monday night against uh, James Bradbury, a cornerback that's had his number dating back to the Panthers. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think Evans had the touchdown. I, I, I think you're going to start to see Mike Evans rev up the engines here, and I think he's going to exploit the matchup. And I think Evans will be the pivotal, uh, pivotal character in this offense, it's going to get the, the Bucks to win on Sunday night.
0: Love it. I'd love to see a shootout between these two teams. I felt like we could have had it last time, honestly, but
1: the Bucs yeah, just weren't quite It's going to go back and forth, right? Because, it, yeah. it, you know, yeah, Drew Brees is the all-time passing touchdown leader on Sunday, and then Tom Brady now has that, that lead on Monday night, and then Drew yeah. Brees will probably take it back at some point Sunday night, and then Brady might take it back uh, within the same game. You could have a, a right. seesaw back and forth between between the top two quarterbacks in NFL history when it comes to the all-time passing touchdowns. Yep. And my guess is Tom Brady ends up at the end of the game still your all-time touchdown passing leader in leading the Buccaneers to a 37-30 victory over the Saints.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Last question I'll take from Greg. He says, any concern with Brady throwing 40 passes per game by the end of the year was his arm have less strength? I'd rather see a 30-pass Twenty run type of offense. No, Greg. No real concern with that. Any quarterback expert you talk to really will say that the more a quarterback throws, and any quarterback really will tell you, the more they throw, the better. It's not like baseball where you're throwing you know as hard as you can you know, that yeah. many times. You know that's it's just different. Um, and so the more you can throw, the better and the stronger your arm is. You keep those muscles tuned up and ready to go. Um, ultimately, thirty to forty wouldn't make any difference. You know, for Brady, right. better or worse, I don't think. And you but
1: know, you know what helps. You know what helps, John. There's no as Brady is a forty-three-year-old quarterback, he's not throwing in New England anymore. Okay, right. where, you, where your your arm gets gets cold and it gets tight, and those tendons get tight, he's playing in Tampa. It's going to be you know in the seventies uh, Sunday night for for the kickoff. So uh, yep. he's playing in a warmer climate. I think that's going to help his his aging arm. Uh, he's not going to have to worry about the cold until the playoffs, and maybe the Buccaneers have some home playoff games, and it's not even an issue. We'll have to see.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an absolute blast. We appreciate all you tuning in for this show and all the shows we've had this week. If you've missed them and you're listening to this one, go back, check them out. Pewter Report TV on on YouTube. You can check us out. You can subscribe, hit the bell, get notifications for when we go live. Throw us some donations when you're in here. We all greatly appreciate those. Allows us with equipment, all kinds of stuff that we can do to better this show and better this podcast as we move forward. Four days a week, we're live. We're live tomorrow at 4 p.m. and we'll be live after the game also at 4 p.m. on Sunday night. I know it'll be a late one, but we'll be ready to roll and by the evidence of last Monday night, y'all were ready to roll with us. It was an awesome show. And the week before, awesome as well, even though we were on late. So... Uh, we appreciate you all. We love that. Um, and you also Absolutely. show us some love if you can, you know, with the likes, all of that kind of stuff, you know, tell other people about the show. If you can send them the links, tell them to check us out, leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes uh, for our podcast. Those are very, very helpful in yeah. just expanding our exposure to, uh, to other people, other Bucks fans, other NFL fans. Like I said, in the offseason, we will have draft content, free agency content. There's going to be yeah. so much in-depth stuff on this show you're not just not just going to be bucks fans at that point in time so you know just tell your friends and and your family and your loved ones and spread the word pewter report podcast is here baby and we got yeah. some good stuff heading your way so appreciate y'all for Scott Reynolds and myself John Ledger appreciate y'all tuning in to another awesome edition of the pewter report podcast out, out.